to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm one of those guys. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Last time on The Greatest Generation. Yeah, we did something bad last time. We landed on a Neelix's Galley episode. Is this two drunk episodes since the Coco Nono that you skipped? think so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the last Neelix's Galley, I poured my champagne into a coconut. Right. And uh, I don't think I'm breaking another rule today, but we had champagne so recently. Right. I was like, I'm just going to get a different bottle. Okay. No one's saying Talaxian champagne is effervescent. Technically, Talaxian champagne is not champagne because it's not grown in the Champagne region of France. It's Talaxian sparkling wine. I get it. <laughs> it's Talaxian méthode traditionnelle. So what I've grabbed instead is a bottle of red wine. bottle of actually pink wine by the oh, looks look of it. That. that is a nice looking color. Yeah. I think I've had that bottle. That label looks familiar to me. Yeah, I think we've had it together. And it is chilled because uh, I could go for something thirst quenching, like a, like a cold wine. So that's what I'm having. I'm having a uh, 2020 California table wine called Super Blue. Mm. I'm having... A natural wine, naturalmente frizzante. I want to be clear, is how, mine is natural too. How the Italian style petillance naturel. And uh, I don't know anything about this. It's just an, an Italian bubbly wine that is unfiltered. I'm a little worried about opening it because I walked home with it from the store. It was in Darwin's mouth. I didn't get an explosion. I'm, I, I lucked out here. I'm enjoying my wine in an insulated cup. <laughs> the way the makers intend it. When consumed properly, as Sir Edmund Mailbar once wrote, it can elevate the soul. So you and I were in Texas recently. Yeah. When in, we, we went into the, the like flagship store of the Yeti family of products. Oh, we sure did. And I spotted a cooler that I thought looked really great. I just wanted this cooler so bad, and then I found out how much the cooler cost. Are you secreting the cooler right now? Is that is that why you're putting this out into the universe? You want this cooler so bad? I have not been able to stop thinking about this fucking cooler. This cooler cost $800. I can't justify it, but I also can't get it out of my head. There's no way I can spend $800 on a cooler. Ben, you need the best cooler in the world to store all that milk. (laughs) Baby, I got to keep your milk at the right temperature. (laughs) This is the only thing that'll do it. And check it out. It's quiet, closed lid. Means we won't wake each other up at night when we're reaching in there. It's going to be, it's going to be perfect. This is what we need. Tell you what, Ben, that this is how the baby industrial complex works. That cooler Probably an $80 cooler in any other store. You label it as a breast milk cooler, $800. (laughs) And now you can buy it. That's how you get it past the budget goalie of your household, Ben. Milk cooler. Yeah. I don't need a cooler. I don't need a cooler at all. You can't store breast milk in that cooler, Ben. Yeah. I've seen that cooler. It is unfit for breast milk. (laughs) Much, much like us uh, drinking, drinking wine. I've started. Have you started? Yeah, I've started. Cheers. We didn't even toast to the show. Hey, here's to the show. Here's to here's to having another. Weird here's to show. you, hey, Darwin. Don't lick my wine bottle, man. Darwin's usually pretty trustworthy around this stuff, but uh, well, Darwin's also eight. Yeah, He's seven. Come on, don't. your your dog is as old in years as my dog is in months. And that explains a lot about their differences in behavior. She's going to start catching up pretty soon, I think. God, hope so. Well, I am ready to nullify this bottle, Ben. How about you? We'll find out, I suppose, over the course of this episode, whether these bottles are our nemeses or not. Right. I really enjoyed the terminology used in this episode, Ben. It's Star Trek Voyager Season 4, Episode 4. 
Nemesis. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> it begins on a very Val Verde planet, huh? Figures shrouded in mist and shadow creep through the jungle with rifles. Yeah. They catch someone. They catch an interloper. You know what the most dangerous game is, Ben? Chicote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they uh they they grab this guy, Chicote. They take him back to their team leader. What's the guy's name? Brone? Yeah. He's entered the Brone zone. I take it you're in charge here. Team leader Brone, fourth board defense contingent. I gotta get a pump. That's it, get it. Oh, speaking of Brone, we should have some Broads. Oh, shit. Good call. Chakotay's entered the Brone zone. We've entered the Brode zone. You're about to hear the tellings of our show. Glimpse this, motherfucker. (laughs) 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 There's a a very jargony big-dogging happening here between (laughs) Brone and uh, the the dudes that grabbed Chakotay. Yeah. And uh, he's like, hey, why did you grab this guy? We abhor none but the nemesis, man. (laughs) That's what's so fun about this lexicon is that it's both military jargon and surfery in a weird way. (laughs) I really like it. Yeah. I wish we got like a four episode arc here where we could live in it a little more because I know I'm going to forget it immediately after this episode. I know. But it's also like, it's one of those episodes where you're like, God, every alien should be like this. They should have like weird ways of putting stuff and like... The jargon is amazing, and it's so thoroughly developed in every line that one of these guys utters. They say it in this weird way. Hmm, his glimpse is too tame to be a Creighton. I hadn't fathomed that, sir. We'll fathom it now. And it's funny, like, it's the jangly keys of the episode, right? Because if it were just Chakotay getting caught up in a war on an alien planet, we've seen that episode before. Yeah. But it's this additional layer of these jangly keys, like... It's basically a, a jangly thesaurus <laughs> that kind of gives the whole thing a, a fresh new spin. Yeah. You drill to fathom the, nemes- the nemesis, <laughs> but you don't need to drill to fathom what these guys are saying. It's like a magic trick that it is all in this weird, specific jargon, but it's also all perfectly understandable to us, the home viewer. So the story is this team leader, Brown of the Brown Zone. He's like, welcome to the Brone Zone, Chakotay. Here's what's up. Uh, we are the Vori, and we are fighting the Kraden, yeah. also known as the Nemesis. Also known as Crady Beasts. And uh, we like to be buried face down. This yeah. is maybe the most important part of our culture. <laughs> we'll show it to you later. Getting buried face down is like the main shit that we love. I'm super busy right now as leader of the Brone Zone, so I'm going to pass you off to this Tate Donovan looking guy (laughs) named Naaman. (laughs) And I'll catch up with you a little later. All right. Peace out. Chicote has crashed another fucking shuttle, Adam. This is three episodes in a row for a lost shuttle by my count. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he was like curious about some Omicron radiation. These guys tell him that the Kraden definitely shot him down because the Kraden crave air superiority. I was excited to see that air superiority a little later on. Chakotay happened to crash in Grove Yellow, which is where the grown zone predominantly... (laughs) The groan zone would have been if uh, Chakotay had parachuted out of a shuttle and landed in a tree branch with his legs spread. (laughs) (laughs) Goal! The groan zone. (laughs) Team leader Brown, a very helpful man, you know? Yeah. Chakotay is like, oh man, like I got to find my shuttle so I can radio my ship and... He's like, well, we got radios back at a at a rally point. You come with us. We'll be there in a couple of days. And Chicote's like, hey man, I I don't have that kind of time. I gotta I gotta get on that radio real quick. And he's like, well, I recommend you sleep here because mm-hmm. uh, it's really fucking dangerous up in them trunks. <laughs> you think when the Vori talk about uh, swimming? It's a very complicated conversation about trunks versus board shorts and the netting and so forth. The Vori kind of seem like Speedo type folk to me. You know what I really craved in this scene, Ben, is is Mm. they're talking on and on about how Chakotay can't communicate with the ship. You never get the tap. The tap with the blurp. 
Yeah. You know, like, like the thing that tells you that the communicator doesn't work. Team leader Brown of the Brown Zone, he doesn't know what that symbol is that he's wearing. He touches it when he's telling him about it. My communicator's not working. If, if they just dropped the sound effect in when he touched it. That's what I'm saying. I would have liked that. Yeah, that would have been good. I, I noticed the same thing. Yeah. Brown passes uh, Chakotay off on Rafin, who is a total noob, played yeah. by that guy from Starship Troopers who was trying to be a journalist and asked everybody in the co-ed shower scene what got them into the military. Who asked you to be so nosy? I'm the bad guy, I'm gonna be a writer. Wow, good poll. It was dark, but I recognized him right away. He's got a great face. He really does. He is new to war. Yeah. He's never seen their enemy in person. You mean he's never glimpsed their enemy in person, Adam? Right. He's not glimpsed through his glimpsers <laughs> at the enemy through the trunks. He also says that uh, they call him Rafin, which is like, ooh, man. <laughs> if that's the nickname you get when you join the military, that's kind of brutal, right? It's not good. Uh, Naaman is born to get hard, unlike this Rafin guy. Yeah. And Rafin's got the trembles, and that's going to be hard when you're out among the trunks. You don't want to go into the trunks with the trembles. They don't still transcribe this show on the network, do they? <laughs> because <laughs> this know. is going to be an insane transcription. True, true. Might be worth looking for that to see if they still do. <laughs> it's an interesting conversation because they kind of talk about who who the nemesis are, the Kraty Beasts. Yeah. And, you know, like, these are the people that they would like to send into the way after mm-hmm. if they can. Um, Chakotay is clearly uncomfortable with the way they describe these guys as being, like, incredibly gross and, like, you know, intentionally biasing and you can you can see his discomfort isn't it interesting how starfleet makes you kind of both sides the situation yeah as a reflex because that's what chakotay is doing here and interesting that like so much of this terminology is shared later on by the crew of the voyager and it doesn't seem like they have both sides anything in the way that that chakotay is because he's like he's like sitting there eating their food and and like talking to them about what it's like to be a Vori and he's like I'm sure that there's like a guy in a in a trench on the other side of this war that's just as afraid of you man right the Vori are not familiar with this as a concept and like what they describe is like really brutal war crimes right like when crazy beasts come through their settlements it's like craven brutality. Uh, they're doing far more than glimpsing of their wives and their daughters, that's for sure. Yeah. Nullified bodies, facing up. It's awful, what they're describing. And when Chakotay tells Naaman that war is a kind of nonsense that the centuries behind them, <laughs> Naaman takes great umbrage with this. Don't judge us. Like, we're in this awful situation. These guys did this to us. Is basically the energy that every single one of these guys have. <laughs> It's the next day, and Naaman and Chakotay are trying to find the wrecked shuttle. Uh, This is the mission because Chakotay believes he can use the pieces of it to communicate with Voyager. That's not going to happen when they find basically a shingle, and that's it. (laughs) So one bit of shuttle that they find. Unfortunately, it's not the communication shingle that they hoped they'd find. And uh, it's useless. That's pretty rough. A couple of crazy beasts come over a berm while they're looking at this thing and open fire. And these guys look like they've got quite a bit of gramba. I like their look. I feel like most aliens should look this way. But so <laughs> few do. Most aliens should look like they're sick at Domjot. Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel like the, the Kraden should be fighting with Domjot cues. <laughs> <laughs> so the one guy... Gets nullified. Yeah, Naaman's yeah. down. He spilled a lot of blood face down in the muck. <laughs> the The rest of uh, the squad uh, runs into the into the clearing and and clears out the uh, the remaining crazy beast. And then they have to grieve their fallen comrade. And they, there's a we get to see the uh, the ceremony that they perform to uh, send this dude off into the way after. There's something so visually striking about taking a thing that we've all experienced or seen or understand as going a certain way 
and changing one minor thing about that to make it seem alien. Yeah. The idea of a body being made to be face down after death is so alien feeling. (laughs) It really is. Like, if we went to the funeral of a relative, a relative who subscribed to a religion that we weren't super familiar with, yeah. And we go participate and we do the thing and we sing the hymns and we we do the whole procedure. And when it comes time to do the burial, if they just kind of flip the box upside down. <laughs> how shocking would that be? That'd be intense, man. It really would. Because you know you'd hear the body kind of drop to the other side of the box. Like it, there'd be a rattle. <laughs> there'd be a rumble inside that box, man. Better than falling out the bottom of it, right? Yeah, you can't have that. No explanation, just body after body busting out of shit wooden hitting pavement. So they, they lay name into rest. Uh, the, the Vori bury you face down, ass up. That's the way they like to bury you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got his ass in, his air, in the air and his mind in the gutter. <laughs> and uh, Chakotay asks them what kind of shrine they got. And he's very respectful of the ways of uh, of this different culture. Chakotay has wandered back into the Brone Zone. Team Leader Brone, 4th Boy Defense Contingent. I gotta get a pump. That's it, get it. Brown is like, hey man, you gotta you gotta change into this dead guy's clothes because that fucking red mantle on your <laughs> on your shirt is uh, really kind of eye catching. It's gonna get us glimpsed, and then it's gonna get us nullified. I know we look like humans. But I want to tell you something. Two things make us completely alien as the Vori. One, you bury us face down, ass up. Two, we do not evacuate our bowels in death, which means this change of clothing <laughs> is going to be A-OK for you to get into, Chicote. Absolutely no urine or feces in the pants part. <laughs> Sounds great. Damon did not Brando to portray his death scene. Gotta say, it's nice seeing Chakotay wearing the deep U, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a big U on Chakotay, and uh, more like more like University of Pectoral Muscles, right? Hell yeah! <laughs> High five through the screen. <laughs> U- University of Pectoral Muscle Athletic Department. <laughs> XXXL. <laughs> Coming soon to podshop.biz. Yeah. <laughs> so Chicote gets uh, sent off to learn how to shoot their guns with Rafin. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like Rafin is supposed to drill Chicote on the use of their weapons, but it turns out Chicote drills Rafin on uh, fathoming rages. Right. And then the slash fiction, they drill each other. It's. A scene that's about trembles giving way to rages. Yeah. You start out in war with the trembles, but then you get, you're born to get hard rages <laughs> after a little while. Yeah. And what Chicote says here really inspires Rafin to do the same. Having the trembles is natural. How do you fathom that? Survive a war. You gotta become war. Rafin is so fucking psyched by this. He's like, Fuck yes! Yes! The trembles can become rages! This is the scene where you knew Rafen was going to die pretty soon, right? Yeah, Rafen is not going to have a great time when he uh, comes up against a gramba. Keep your top low and your glimpse wide. Action happens pretty fast because that night, the Vori are on patrol and uh, Chakotay finds a body. And god damn it, those fucking bastards turned his face up! They desecrated his body. They left him upturned to be cooked by the glare. And if you think this makes you (laughs) feel a little bad, there's an entire seventh contingent behind the tree line, and they're all facing up. Those motherless, crazy beasts. Oh, it's so gross. Oops all up facing. Yeah. This is the guys that they were supposed to be meeting up with, the guys that had the comms equipment that Chakotay was going to use. So it's like complete disaster. Brone seizes onto this moment. He tries to turn this into kind of a group Brone Zone situation. He Mm -hmm. uses the awful moment to rally the troops. But the problem is when you enter the Brone Zone, it's a loud place to be. He's really getting hyped up. He's jumping around and he's yelling at people, but he's too loud. And we're not going to swallow it! Every goddamn piece of it! 
you know what that's going to do, Ben. It's going to draw the enemy fire from the Kraden. Yeah. And that Brone Zone gets shut down. The Kraden start licking shots. They don't even get to find out who wins. Ookie rally moment. Uh-huh. Ookie Brone Zone. Because <laughs> soon after, they're in full-on jungle combat. It's like a Vietnam film. Aren't you proud of Rafen here? He's got the rages. He doesn't have the trembles. He does have the rages. He's kind of Kevin Dillon in, in platooning at this point. Like, he's got the psychopathy of the Tom Berenger character, but none of the skills of the Tom Berenger character. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of people walking around like that. Yeah. BT dubs. Yeah. So, RSVP, Rafin, and yeah. um, Chakotay does him right, you know? He, he, he helps him plank. Before he shuffles loose this mortal sphere. Tell you what, like ordinarily you'd see someone uh, messing with a body and rolling them over, and you'd think something fucked up was about to happen. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how it goes on uh, planet Valverde. (laughs) So after this awful night of uh, running and gunning in combat, Chakotay the next morning is stumbling through the jungle by himself and just wanders into like a totally defenseless village. Welcome to Lahana Settlement, Glory Defender. You're brightly greeted. It is a town of blowout hairdos. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone has been blown out. Yeah. The old people, the middle-aged, the young. And people that you know, the blowout would have made their hair look better, have also been teased. It's just a hair metal band living and aging together in the jungle. Chakotay is so blown away by this, he just collapses in joy. Finally, he's safe. Yeah. And finally, we see the Voyager. Yeah. That is up in orbit of this planet, uh, unaware that Chakotay has made it safely to Lorana Settlement. And, uh, the captain's log is referring to a an ambassador that has uh, has told them uh, that they're that the people on the ground are looking for Chakotay in the middle of this war, and uh, we cut to a McLaughlin group. Issue one doesn't seem like the captain has ever been in direct contact with this ambassador. No, definitely. She's not. being told about this by Tuvok and Kim and Paris and and Neelix might actually know this guy. Yeah, that was the other thing was like, she asks Neelix, like, what's the deal with this conflict? Like, tell me about this war. As if Neelix didn't tell us already that that we've reached the end of his knowledge. That was the thought in my head. And Neelix's response is like telling from the perspective of like, uh, yeah, like this is what the ambassador told me. Are you bullshitting us, Neelix? No, I think he just got it from the ambassador. All right. But I think that it's that's an interesting moment because, like, it is ambassador to ambassador, right? Like, that's kind of yeah. the role that Neelix wants to inhabit. But that's how ambassadors function. And this is the scene that put me really on edge. The way they are speaking very uncritically about the, like, savagery of the enemy that the ambassador's people are fighting. Like, they're using all the same terminology, like their nemesis are bad mm-hmm. and they do mm-hmm. bad things and desecrate bodies and shit. But it is so nonspecific that uh, it, it made my spidey senses tingle. As specific as it gets is the idea of if Chakotay just hooks up with the correct side of this conflict, he's going to be taken care of. There's coffee right in the middle of the war zone. Yeah, Trine is like, hey, listen, we're going to find this guy the second he connects with our people. We're going to radio up. You'll know right where he is. It's going to be fine. He's not in the trunks anymore. He's in the blowout town. Speaking of the blowout town, Shakote is uh, communicating with this old British man that seems to be sort of the town elder. Right. He keeps calling him Shakote. Yeah. I feel like this actor wasn't familiar with the program, decided on a pronunciation for... <laughs> <laughs> the name that he read That's in the funny. script and, and nobody on set corrected him. Mana tells the truth, Shikote. You are welcome among my neighbors. I love this moment because uh, everyone's trying to confer a uh, a valor to Chicote that he feels uncomfortable accepting. He's like, look, guys, 
I will eat this bowl of good and plenties because I am hungry. <laughs> but I don't want it to be because you feel like I'm some sort of hero or yep. whatever. I'm not a glory defender. I'm just a guy. Right. Don't try to be a glory defender. Just be a defender. <laughs> it's rhetorical nonsense. And uh, when the conversation turns toward what happened to the 4th Regiment, Chakotay demurs. <laughs> He's like, yeah, um, those guys are the heroes. And that's about all I want to say about that. <laughs> there is a moment in this scene that made me so uncomfortable because the the group is is there talking to him and asking him a bunch of questions. And this lady asks, like, anything else you crave, like food, warm clothes, anything, anything you crave. And they leave. And then the little girl that gave him the, like, flower Oof. necklace yeah. comes in. And I was like, no, 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 no. Don't go there, episode. Do not. Yeah. And then the camera pulls back. And there's, like, a wooden sign nailed to a post. And it says Camp Epstein. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> How did they know? <laughs> Why was Chakotay in the black book? <laughs> it's a much more innocent scene than that. Uh, this girl is uh, very curious about her big brother, Dario, who is a glory defender. Mm-hmm. And she's heard all the like horrible stories about what the, the crazy beasts do when they nully her people but chakotay is not really willing to like participate in the racial degradation of the Kraden. he's like yeah it's true that they don't share your beliefs and they like don't respect them nor is he willing to totally crush this girl's spirit by telling her that definitely her brother's dead yeah her brother has totally bought the farm not only is your brother dead but he's facing up in such a way that is spectacular like yeah. They put him up on a table. You wouldn't think that it was possible to face <laughs> this far up. This summer, you will believe. <laughs> <laughs> you can face up like this. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Spoiler alert, but like this is maybe like the most biasing moment for Chakotay. Yeah. Like, and one thing I really like about the script of this is that he starts more and more to kind of take on the argot of these people. Yeah. And like use it more too. and more. Yeah. And like, he's like clearly resisting it in this scene. But I think after this scene, it, that wall has kind of broken. What do you make of the significance of using contemporary firearms as weapons on this planet? I don't know if it's like a pre-warp civilization or if, if it's part of the ruse. Yeah, I don't know either. Anyways, uh, the next morning, they're, like, provisioning him, and they give him, like, a, you know, a Manhattan Portage shoulder bag and, uh, you know, letters for, for soldiers as he's walking out of the village. And Marna gives him, like, a really deep kiss. Like, yeah. the kind of kiss that, like, drags some saliva out. Mm-hmm. They when... let, there's a good 13-inch strand of saliva between them before it breaks so he trudges off into the trunks uh, away from this again totally undefended and defenseless village should a merch item that we eventually sell on the new podshop.biz be swim trunks but the pattern is trees and jungle (laughs) and they are trunks trunks I mean I don't want to even think about how complicated it would be to do that. Could the package be like a tiny box with a latch on it so that you get your trunks, trunks, trunk? (laughs) Is the pattern on these swim shorts uh, trees and elephants? So it's trunks, trunks, Mm. trunk? <laughs> it is, isn't it? Your best will be enough. How much of your uh, of your bottle of wine have you drank? Let's see. I've got that much left. And oh my god! And like oh, but you're yeah, you're drinking out of like a pint glass size insulated. I've got cup. like a half of a pint glass left, and then maybe three fingers of wine left in the bottle. 
This always happens. I drink as fast as I can when it's this format. It's only the wine shows, though. Like, I mean, maybe this is why you didn't participate in the Coco No-No, is you didn't want to drink rum that fast. Maybe that's what it is. Remember that time that you just didn't do the Coco No-No? That was wild. Pepperidge Farm remembers. (laughs) So, Chicote is in the forest when he sees air cover going down back at the town he's just left. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool to see just like some alien space planes. They sounded like Harriers to me. Like the sound really sold the whole thing. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. And when he gets back, the crazy beasts are rounding up all the all the people in this town. Chicote is like, you know, lining up a shot. And uh, that's when the crazy beasts set on him and he is taken prisoner. Yeah. Offer no opposition. Or you'll be nullified. On Voyager, we're in Janeway's ready room, and they're optimistic that Chakotay has survived the crash, but that doesn't mean he survived the war zone, and Paris is aching to go down there and play out his Rambo 2 fantasy. He wants this so fucking bad. He is so eager for the fray. Is there anything about him that suggests that this isn't a surprise? Like, he's more born to get hard than I expected here. And he and Chakotay aren't even close. Like, I would expect this if it were Kim behind there. Yeah. But what does he give a shit about Chakotay for? I know that Paris, like, technically joined the Maquis for a minute. Mm-hmm. I don't really get the sense that he became war. <laughs> I don't get the sense that he's expendable either. And no. that's kind of a quality that you need in a mission leader here. <laughs> and that's why Tuvok jumps right in there. Yeah, he's like, hey, the uh, the whole boots on the ground thing, I think is probably a terrible idea. I think we send one, and specifically not Paris. <laughs> I have been invited to many parties, and <laughs> the people who throw those parties have not cared if I had shown up or not. <laughs> I have no interest in living the quiet life. (laughs) I've got to get that platinum, get that roll metal argument. (laughs) A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time and they send in their books they send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. 
but do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that. Latin would not. Are you planning a heist? Gold. So down on the planet, Chakotay and uh, the girl from the village are... Uh, in some Star Trek caves where they are being held prisoner. With- Can I just call her Lil Blowout? <laughs> <laughs> you can see it written in crayon, right? Yeah. For podshop.biz, should we market a, uh, a, a hairdryer, a greatest gen branded hairdryer? Yeah. For making a Lil Blowout haircut? <laughs> Lil Blowout. Look at her. Look at little Karya. Lil Blowout. Chakotay trying to talk some sense with the... Uh, with the Craden Guard. But the Craden Guards are cruel. They're bad people. This is one of those prisoner prison guard situations where you can't ask a question. Because if you ask a question, you're going to get a rifle butt to the face. This is uh, this is much worse than Rurapente in a lot of ways. It creates something in, in Chakotay that you really want for the rest of the episode, which is bleeding out of both sides of his mouth. Yeah. It's a striking look. And he's going to give up on the project of like fucking with the crane for a little while yeah until the next morning when gunfire is their wake-up call and uh and they go they go out of the uh tunnel to like see what's going on it it turns out that this star trek cave was like right on the edge of town it's convenient really and he sees the Craden like you know rounding people up getting ready to take them to like extermination camps yeah because what's explained here is that uh the olds can't work for the Creighton, the way the youths can. Yeah. And Caria takes great umbrage with this because her grandpa is being marched off to get shot. And you made a terrible mistake, Caria, because you're going to join grandpa here. And this is something that Chakotay can't allow to happen. Get me out of here! He instigates a Star Trek fight to try to stop it, but... He's just one Chakotay, and he gets knocked out. I mean, the Kraden are, are better armed now. The Kraden look like they shop at the same place as Inquisitor Kira. I like that. He loses the Star Trek fight. Back up on Voyager, Janeway and Tuvok go to greet the ambassador. Ambassador Treen, come on, let's go. Let's go see what what's up to this guy. Everyone's going to greet Ambassador Treen, a helpful man who just wants to be helpful and cool. Yeah, can't wait to meet him. Can't wait to give him some of Neelix's food. I hope his gramba is normal. I hope he has a mouth that works with our utensils. <laughs> I hope he sucks at Domjot. The ambassador and uh, their contingent beams aboard and... Oh no. They're Cradens. What? It's a bunch of Cradens. I like how we cut away, like right now. You don't even get the react. There's no Janeway react here. No. Janeway's only reaction is like a a shake of the hand. It's so neutral that you can't tell if she's in on it in some way. Like, if this is part of it. Yeah. We kept back to the surface of the planet where Chakotay's in the process of having his corpse desecrated. Yeah. He's face up and he's tied to the ground. Does desecration only happen to dead? Or can you be alive and desecrated? I'm not worried about it. There's worse shit on the local news. I mean, he's like in the process of dying, I think, when uh, when he re-enters the Brone zone. <laughs> Team leader Brone, fourth board defense contingent. I gotta get a pump. That's it, get it. 
Brother, you just re-entered the brone zone. <laughs> this is the thing about brone. You're gonna make bubbly wine go out of my nose, man. <laughs> and really, all of the Vori, you're casting for looking great in a tank top. Yeah. Because god like, damn it, Brone has got like arm goals. You tell the truth when you name them beasts. He isn't super jacked. But he is is someone who can pull off a tank top. He has a sinewy shoulder that is yeah. well-developed. Right. And he rescues Chakotay, gets him untied, tells him about like all the fucked up shit that has gone down with the townspeople and, uh, and how all of the defenders have been nullied at this point. Chakotay's got a choice. He can go to the command post to contact Voyager, or he can stay there and keep doing make-wee shit with his new friends. <laughs> I love the choice of Brone giving him a water bottle to sip from because every time he like delivers a line, he then takes like a yeah a contemplative sip, like a Dom Toretto, <laughs> like drinking a Corona while talking about family level yeah. sip from the from the canteen. And he's speaking the language now too, which is great. That can wait till the soon after. In the now, you need my help to nullify the nemesis. They both want to avenge Rafin. I wanted the scene where Chakotay ripped the sleeves off of his deep U. <laughs> Show those fucking pipes, Chakotay. It's just going to be the two of them. It's, it's Chakotay and Brone versus the Kraden now. I don't like their numbers. It's sort of like Tuvok said, right? Like they, like a small, a small commando con- contingent could like do a lot of damage here. Right. So they're they're up to some like real serious like deep dark jungle combat at nighttime, wasting Kratons. They never do the Kratons the way that the Warrior done, right? Like, how do you think they prefer to be buried? There's no burial quid pro quo, or whatever. <laughs> quid pro Kraton. <laughs> Yeah. They're surrounded by uh, by Creighton. Brone catches one. Don't let Brone go into that Brone goodnight. It's just, we're down to just Chakotay. You know, Brone's taking the Brone zone with him if he's off yeah. the map. Sad. Yeah. A single Creighton appears, and this is unusual, right? Yeah. Steps out from the jungle, and he's like, hey, Chakotay, I'm Tuvok. Chakotay's like, What? <laughs> That's impossible! <laughs> That's not true! <laughs> no! And then Tuvok slices off one of Chakotay's arms. <laughs> and and Brone, not having died, Brone is like, you're still in the Brone zone, man! That's it, get it. Don't believe him. Don't yeah. trust him. Let him die. And the longer Tuvok speaks, the more Chakotay is starting to believe. And there's kind of a, a visual thing happening here too, right? Yeah, the kind of uh, the the shimmery illusion falls away intermittently and reveals not a Kraden face, but a Tuvok face in a Kraden uniform. Did you think that w- this was Tim Russ in Kraden face? I couldn't tell. Because I found it very difficult to tell if it was him buried under all that loaf. Because his voice sounded really different, too. They've brainwashed you, Commander. I actually did research. I wanted to figure this out. Yeah. My research was face down. When the illusion falls all the way away, Chakotay is, like, horrified that Tuvok has come into this conflict wearing Kraden clothing. Yeah. It's like, how can you dress up like your Inquisitor, Kira? Tuvok, I hate to see you go, but I love to watch you leave. (laughs) This story is crazy. What Tuvok is telling Chakotay is that nothing Chakotay has been through that day was real. Yeah. It's how the Vori create radicalized soldiers. Yeah, and he's like, hey, like, I will fucking prove it to you. Walk with me. In order for you to believe me, you must depart the Brone Zone. They walk uh, through the jungle and they find... The village of the blowouts, right? Yeah. And Chakotay walks in and has like the identical experience yeah. again, where they just greet him as everybody's there. Nobody has been rounded up and taken to an extermination camp. It was all a charade, Ben. Chicote has been frame of mind. 
If only Picard had been here to put it that way. Chakotay has been future imperfected. Yeah. Chakotay and Tuvok depart the Brone Zone. And on Voyager in Six Bay, uh, Chakotay is back, but he is not better. Like, physically, he's okay, but mentally, he's uh, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. <laughs> and the doc, the way do, the doc describes oh, him. Oh, baby, is like, I hear the Craden calling. <laughs> <laughs> the doc is like, try to imagine the Brone Zone being a place where you just get a couple of handfuls of pills out of the uh, fishbowl and you just take them to the dome. That's what Chakotay has been doing. It was a recruiting mission. You've been subjected to a highly sophisticated form of propaganda. You want us to sell Amway? They, like, drugged him up. They, like, subjected him to simulations. And, like, there was, like, a bunch of different propagandistic techniques working all together mm-hmm. to to inculcate him into this way of life where all you want to do is live in the brown zone. Oh, yeah. Once you're in the brown zone, that's the only place you want to be. Yeah. And it wasn't personal. It was like he fucking crashed on this planet, and they were like, cool, fresh meat. It's so weird. They saw him in the Brat-style shuttlecraft up in high orbit, and they're like, how about that guy? Yeah. Let's see how he does in the Brone Zone. Team Leader Brone, fourth board defense contingent. I gotta get a pump. That's it, get it. Loki, one of the best parts of the script of this episode is like when he starts asking about like desecration and... Janeway's like, I don't know, man. Like, it's a war. I'm sure fucked up shit is going on on both sides. Yeah. Like, she kind of joins that both sides thing before Ambassador Treen comes in. It's so crazy. They bring in this ambassador. It's not a good choice by anyone involved. Who chose this? No one should have done this to Chakotay. Don't make him shake hands with, with a fucking guy that looks like that. Yeah. I don't blame Chakotay at all for this. He was just moments ago in the Brone Zone, and you expect him to just get used to being outside of it. That's a crazy beast as far as he knows. Yeah. It's a parable about hatred, Adam. (laughs) They they won't let you walk away from that. That's right in the end of the episode. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Janeway, Janeway follows Chakotay into the hallway, and it's like the end of First Blood. Janeway's trying to to figure out Chakotay, and Chakotay's like, Chakotay. Nothing is over! Nothing! You just don't turn it off! Well, Adam, uh, was it easy for you to stop hating this episode, or was it too easy to start? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. Ben, I really like this episode a lot. (laughs) I have a feeling that this is an episode that is very unpopular with people. Oh, interesting. But for the same reasons that people would dislike this episode, those are the reasons that I like it. I like that this is a a sick Twilight Zone kind of sci-fi twist on a war movie. Yeah. I like that it's Chakotay, specifically, because I feel like he's not had a lot to do lately, and now... He's the A in this story, and I enjoyed watching him experience this awful situation. I love the guest stars yeah. on this episode. This, is, this seems like a uniquely strong episode in terms of guest stars because there's like six of them that really jump off the screen totally. and are interesting and feel like they're, they're fully realized. Like If you were to go off in the story with any one of them, I feel like you could get a good 15 minutes of stuff out of them. I really loved it a lot. What am I, I mean, season four is all about seven to nine, seven to nine, not here. Not even in the episode, doesn't show up once. I wasn't even thinking about seven to nine. <laughs> as long as I was in the brown zone, I couldn't think of anything else. Wow. What about you, Ben? <laughs> yeah, I like this episode too. I, this episode has, I've seen it maybe two times before this, but I didn't quite remember how it resolved. I just, I mean, the thing that, has always stuck with me about this episode is the like incredibly richly realized culture of the, of the Vori. And like, yeah. I think that it's Star Trek really living up to the promise of Star Trek in a way, like showing, uh, a, 
like an interesting like we don't know what the Vordi even look like. Like that's yeah. the amazing thing is like yeah. when you think back and you're like, oh, like they look human. They only look human because that benefits them in Chakotay's eyes. Like they like it 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 helps their cause to turn Chakotay into a soldier if he thinks that they look just like he does. Yeah. And um I think it's a uh, a really terrific episode. Uh and and uh I like it a lot too. I th- I think it's good. Yeah, I really do. This was super fun. I think if this episode gets in- invited to a party and it doesn't show up, it's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this episode is not expendable. That's for sure. Well, Adam, do you want to see if there's anything in the priority one inbox? For this episode of The Greatest Generation. I'm almost out of wine, so, uh, yeah. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature, and it goes like this. Do you think they're disappointed if you're doing a promotional one when they land on the Drunkasode landmine? <laughs> you entered the Brone Zone, promotional P1 purchaser. <laughs> Caveat emptor. Uh-huh. Sometimes that happens. Here's the message. Ben! Adam! I am contacting you from the past. I'm caught in a quantum time travel MacGuffin. Episode 300 to be exact. I've been listening to you almost exclusively in my painting studio for over a year, catching up on back catalog, and realized it was about time I showed some fellow creatives some support. So here are 267 Canadian scarves. Thanks for this dumb show. It's great. A bit of you two are in my work. Not in that way. Gross. So now FODs. Go buy some of my art. And now... This is tax deductible. <laughs> Good call. I just went over to earthskyart.ca and I'm looking at this art right now. And this is art that I would totally put up on my wall. Earthskyart.ca is what's being promoted in this promotional P1. And you can get 15% off any print order with the code QUANTUM in the special instructions. Earthskyart.ca. You know what I'm really enjoying? The Turbulent Skies series. Uh, I haven't glimpsed it yet. I'm uh, I'm just opening it up in my browser right now. Really cool. This is great. Earthskyart.ca. I like it a lot. It's uh, it's it's really good stuff. Yeah. Very beautiful. Yeah. Get in there. Anybody that uh, is making a living as a painter is really cool by me. And it's amazing to hear that we are the sole inspiration for a visual artist like this. Like that Jay needs us to do his art. Yeah. Is Can't. is just incredible. The responsibility, I feel, to do a good show for Jay. We gotta do better. We must do better, Adam. <laughs> I think if we got better, I mean Jay's painting is already great. Yeah. Jay's painting would improve if we got better, I think. I I can't see how this painting would improve. It's really cool. I'm I'm just I'm I'm clicking through paintings on right? this on this website. They're so beautiful. Yeah, Jay, we're gonna talk later about getting one of these up on the wall. Yeah. I think it's important. Ben, our second priority one message, it's from Jonathan Tinker. It's to Nathan Tinker. Okay. And I have a throat bubble I'm trying to get out. <laughs> the message goes like this Happy birthday, Dad. Whoa! This priority one message comes from Jonathan, sending you all my love and support. I think you're the coolest dad in Starfleet. Whoa. Nathan, with a happy birthday gift to his dad, how many fathers and sons do you think listen to our show? When I heard that there were two last names in common, I was I was betting brothers. Yeah. Yeah, lots was, of brothers, I think. There was a there was a total twist. I didn't expect it. <laughs> This is that meme where, like... Yeah, they had us the first half. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. That was like when uh, Ambassador Treen materialized on the transporter pad. I was like, what? I know. Adam, our final priority one message is from Jason G, and it is to DC, Sam N, and Brad B, and Adam and Ben. Oh, whoa. I I, I think we know who these people are. Yeah, we do, for sure. It goes like this. Sam and Brad, I can't thank you enough for introducing me to the pod. 
Just saw the Milwaukee show. Amazing. <laughs> Including your P1 for me regarding Brad's obsession with McRibs. Ben and Adam, viewing this pod has gotten me through many dark days and nights. Driving to jobs I hated. Keep up the amazing work. Congrats, Sam, on your wedding. Screw Flanders. Wow, this one was intended for uh, more proximate to Sam's wedding date, April 17th. Which happened to be the date of our DC Live show. You and I met a ton of Sam's friends at that wedding reception, which we went to after our live show in DC. Yeah, yeah. And Jason G, if you're anything like uh, those that we met at the wedding, you got to be great. I mean, that was like a highlight of the tour for me was was meeting a bunch of Sam N's friends and uh, big fun all around. I'd say it was fun to go to that reception and have people recognize me and and like not recognize them <laughs> it was weird uh well thank you to everyone who got a priority one message and if you'd like to get one you can get it right now by going to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron set it up today what's stopping you yeah you don't need a wedding to do it any, any excuse will do maybe you're an artist yeah or you're getting married or you have a dad or you don't have a dad any uh, permutation of that is perfectly acceptable by us. Yeah. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I feel like this episode was full of them. <laughs> <laughs> really. And I think the the character that I just couldn't... I mean, we've referred to him so much. Mm. So much so that he's got his own zone. <laughs> I take it you're in charge here. Team leader Brown, fourth board defense contingent. I gotta get a pump. That's it, get it. This Michael Mahonen guy who plays Brown. Yeah. Couldn't take my eyes off of him. Yeah. And it's not just because he had pipes. I mean, there was just something about his relationship to Chakotay that was really exciting. And like you it's gotta be so hard to audition and get the role of guy fighting a war and then be given a thesaurus next to the script. Like, I know you think, you, hey, congratulations, you got the part. Also, you're going to be talking in some sort of weird, unrecognizable thesaurus speak here. Yeah. Hope you can get with it. <laughs> and it had to be so hard not to laugh during these takes because... yeah. The vocabulary is ridiculous, but he makes it believable. And I think this whole episode hangs on Brone. And I'm in the Brone zone, man. Wow. I think that's what makes him my Shimoda. What about you? I think uh, it's a similar reason. Like, I got to give it to Raven, like, another, uh, like, excellent practitioner of the language that right. the uh, the Devori are depicted as speaking and... I think that the reason he like worked his way into my drunk Shimoda slot on my notepad was uh, just that that moment where he's like so fucking pumped about turning his trembles into rages is just is just such a special moment in this episode and like the like script math of he is fucking doomed <laughs> at that moment is so apparent in that in that scene that uh that it only makes it more tragic yeah so he he got my drunk shimoda this time and uh i'm pouring the last of my wine into my glass yeah i'm working on my last also last whining it do you know his character name in starship troopers was kitten smith I saw that when I looked him up on IMDb because I was like, that's the guy from Starship Troopers. And I just wanted to like double check before I said it on the episode. Yeah. And right before we started recording, I like IMDb'd Starship Troopers and I was like, Kitten Smith. Okay. Did not know. God, the life of an actor is just so interesting. Like I'm looking through Matt Levine's IMDb and it's like, 2010, 2013, 2017, 2020. Like, fuck. Yeah. He's really good. He shouldn't He's be really going good. years without, without doing, a, doing yeah. a shoot, you know? Yeah, I think so, too. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Adam, our next episode, Star Trek 
Voyager Season 4, Episode 5 is called Revulsion. Bolana and the Doctor respond to a distress call and come to the aid of a malfunctioning hologram? Sounds like a job for the Doctor, right? Oh, yeah. Hey, Doc, fix this. Doc! <laughs> you made a malfunctioning hologram? <laughs> Out of a character on Voyager? Are we going to get more 709, you think? Yeah, maybe. It would be amazing if they just set 7 of 9 to the side and went back to Voyager episodes <laughs> as usual. Just for like a long time. We'll see you at the season finale, 7. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, I'm going to head over to the Game of Buttholes, Will of the Caretaker, and uh, set up our board game. We're at the Adam. top row, Ben. Wait, We're the in fuck? the 90s now. We could hit a space butthole that would take us down to an nth degree episode, which would re- require us to do tons and tons of research and find lots of real facts out about this episode. Oh, God, please don't let us do that. People always love those and never get mad at us for the facts that we find out. I do not want that. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. We've been rolling a lot of sixes lately, so I wouldn't be totally shocked if that happened. All right. I'm going to roll the bone. Oh, but I rolled a four. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. So we're on square 96. Nice. (laughs) This is a regular old episode next week. This puts us one roll away from a Mornhammered episode. It feels like we've been doing a lot of drinking lately, Ben. I know. This is become a very drunk show the greatest generation. i know but one thing we've learned about the show lately is that the Mornhammered it's it's not a guaranteed thing like you don't have to do a Mornhammered to get back to the bottom of the of the game you know what we should do mm. we should put another square on the board called the brown zone <laughs> and here's what you do the entire episode you're doing curls wow <laughs> Curls or like shoulder press, like whatever it is, you just keep it in motion. Just keep working out. The whole time? You don't take breaks between your reps? No. Maybe you're you're squatting. Like you're squatting, you're you're up to the mic, you're squatting, <laughs> you're down here, you're back to the mic, you're you're doing it all. I'm gonna go ahead and veto that idea. I think that's a terrible idea and would make for bad pie. Drone zone belongs on the board just as much as the one where you're making a fucking macaroni plate model. <laughs> Come on. It it it's just as valid as that. Brone zone. Um I could be persuaded, but I think it can't be. Also kick it. the traveler off of there. You know who belongs on there? Hey nerds! <laughs> wow. We, we've got some edits to the board game. Alright, Felipe, if you're listening, some interesting directives coming down from Adam today. I think these are good ideas. Uh, some of them are. <laughs> Come on, man. Enter the Brone Zone. All right. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to next week's normal-ass episode. I'm going to uh, drink the last of my glass of wine right now. Wow. I Yeah, this, this has been a great ep. I love a wine-drinking ep. I think it's better than the champagne ep. Wow. Or the sparkling wine ep, I think. Well, mine was sparkling, but it wasn't champagne. So, I mean, like, fuck you. Delicious. Next week, normal episode. Thank you to Adam Ragusia, who made our amazing theme music. The Card Daddy, who runs our social media, at Greatest Trek. Wendy Pretty, who produces this program. Nick Ditmore, who makes the art. The Miriam Friends of DeSoto who gather in all the places using the hashtag GreatestGen. They're also mm. on the Discord at DrunkShimoto.com. They also came out to see our live shows in droves. True. So happy to see so many Friends of DeSoto out there. Maybe we're promoting a, uh, a live show at the beginning of this episode. I don't know. We don't yeah. know. Who so knows? much could happen in between now and when this episode comes out. We're yeah. recording a month ahead. You could be in the live show zone. Yeah. Brown up or brown out. 
This is a good show that I'm proud of. It's been a lot of fun. With that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that would never put on a knife strap-on. Ever. This episode was fun until that part. What are you doing? The next episode has the guy from Seven that does that in it. Yuck. It wasn't his fault. It was fucking Kevin Spacey's fault. He's a fucking monster. (laughs) He's a terrible person in the movie and in real life. Cool. Well, you know what really helps the end of this episode? A Kevin Spacey reference. Hmm. Yeah. He really uh, dug deep to play a dirtbag in that movie. (laughs) We really need to hit stop before you make it somehow worse. (laughs) I'm ready to go back to the Brone Zone. Yeah, we should. Why did we ever leave the Brone Zone? That was a mistake. Let's just turn around and head for the Brone Zone. Yeah. Can we? What if we just started reviewing Star Trek in reverse from here? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and what if we were just doing bicep curls during? Mm, I'm not really willing to work out that much. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.